Welcome to Jiri Snacks, snackable episodes about the Jiri exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable Jiri course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can try it out for free by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we have Jeff Eisenberg on the show, and Jeff would love for you to introduce yourself and your firm. Sure. Long Island Test Prep. I have been tutoring for the SATs, ACTs, GREs, GMATs, high school entrance exams, admissions essays for all of this time since 1991, and uh, it's something I enjoy tremendously. And uh, my website is longislandtestprep.com. Yeah, fantastic. And so today we're going to be looking at two different uh, problems, one set in the verbal and one set in the quant, uh, which we actually get questions about a lot. And they kind of have a common thread in that they're trying to kind of not maybe trick you outright but you know (laughs) play tricks on you sure with the way that they do the structure um so this is sentence equivalence for the verbal and quantitative comparison for the quant uh and so i'm i'm curious which one you want to start with here sentence equivalence is as good a place to start as any yeah all right so how do you attack a sentence equivalence problem well the first thing is to make sure the last thing at which you look is a choice or the or would be the choices because that's how they trick you if you get drawn into looking at the choices first which is normally what you would do it's so often in a regular multiple choice exam in a regular academic setting which this kind of isn't these exams as we know are not as academically oriented as we would hope or expect. Mm -hmm. Looking at the choices first is what they're hoping we'll do. And unfortunately, we have to play that game kind of like the guy in, I forget the character's name in Airplane, when he says, no, wait, that's just what they're expecting us to do. But we really do (laughs) need to think in those terms. It's uh, Airplane is such a underrated movie <laughs> oh it's a wonderful movie and it's a it's really a good movie machine. to watch it's a really good movie to watch the night before the exam so, oh that's great yeah some, i like that something to say i'm a big fan of watching a good stupid movie the night before the test and well that qualifies but in the end what you need to do is come up with your own simple word or phrase first it's vital because it helps you avoid the traps. It helps you lock in on what you need. And this is where using your scrap paper just is absolutely necessary. You must Mm -hmm. write these things down and you want to actually spend the time writing out A, B, C, D, E, F. And that may sound like it's a bit ponderous, Mm -hmm. but for each question, doing that helps you because you can't draw on the screen. So it's a tremendous drawback. And I love technology, but it's a tremendous drawback of the computer adaptive design is that you're stuck not working the question itself, but you have to do it on this separate sheet of paper. But that's why you must do so across the board, no matter which section we're talking about. On the, the quant comps as well, you absolutely positively must use your scrap paper. And 
write down that simple word or phrase mm-hmm. and then match up. And if the choice matches up, put a little check mark next to it. If it doesn't, cross it out. And ideally, you only have two choices left at that point, and you're good to go. Okay, interesting. And so then, I guess, is there any sort of beyond just like the the structure of kind of setting yourself up with the problem to make sure you don't mm-hmm. make any mistakes? Do you have any tips for actually picking those two choices? Oh, absolutely. You want to look for, first of all, the clue, the thing that the sentence mm-hmm. is about. And of course, it will be in different places all the time, but you want to key in to that. And the other main thing is what I call direction words. They are mm-hmm. some of the most boring words in the English language. But in an exercise that involves analysis of a sentence, they are absolutely vital. And therefore, but, however, things along those lines. Consequently, and it's then, for example, I I use this fairly um, drastic example, but it's, I love ice cream and I'm going to have another gallon. I mean, it's probably, I, I, at least I know I'd be in the hospital if I tried that, but it helps. <laughs> I hope it helps for it to stick in, in the student's mind. But it's also this idea. The subject is, I love ice cream. The word and is telling you that what follows has to be along the same lines. So then right. I love ice cream, but I can't have any more. Right. Well, and, and so it's. Those words are absolutely vital in this exercise. Yeah, and then any other any other tips for for attacking sentence completion or sentence equivalence? Excuse me, problems like any any other kind of tactics you'd like to share at this juncture here? Uh, absolutely. Uh, just because two words are synonyms, not only does that not mean that they're automatically the answer, but this is an, a, a prime example of the way in which. ETS tries to mess with the test taker's head in that they will frequently have two words that are synonyms, but they are not linked to the meaning in the sentence above and are the wrong answers. Mm -hmm. And so you can't just look at the choices. And this is yet another reason why you don't look at the choices first, because otherwise you fall for that trap. If you already know the basic idea of what you're seeking before you ever look at the choices, you avoid that trap. And so very often the words, the two words won't be synonyms, but both fall into the general meaning that the sentence is going for. And another crucial thing is keep the word or phrase that you come up with simple. It's, They'll supply the difficult words. If you spent any time with this part of the exam, you know they will supply very challenging vocabulary in the choices. Don't make your life harder by saying, well, I need to make my words fancy too. Keep it simple. Just capture the idea of what you're looking for. Then go to the choices and match up. 
And what do you do if you are not finding the choices that you expect in the answer choices? Like you, you kind of went one way and it doesn't feel like there's an answer that matches. Well, at the very least process of elimination, which is always a good thing on any exam, but especially here where at least if you know something for sure is wrong, at least get rid of it. But that's where you may need to backtrack, take another look and see if you correctly identified the clue, but still, again, ignore those choices while you're doing this. But uh -huh. make sure you identified a clue, make sure you identified any direction words or phrases that are going on here. And that gives you at least a chance of reorienting yourself and getting back to where you want to be. Yeah, great. And then how, what do you do about vocab you don't know? Well, I'm one of those people who actually is not a fan of lists of words. I, I think most often those are daunting. And as a result, many students will shy away from it because there's this box of 500 words or 1,000 words. And it just seems overwhelming. You have some go-getters that'll dive into it. But even then, I'm more a fan of the students after they've taken practice sections, going back and picking up the words they didn't know, plucking those out. And whether it's through Quizlet or good old fashioned index cards or whatever works for your particular studying style, flashcard them, or like I said, what, you know, there are apps right. for iPad or, or as the case may be that are flashcard equivalents. But this way, you're creating a vocabulary list catered in particular to your vocabulary needs, rather than starting with this massive pile of cards. And probably you know a good chunk of those words, so you're not right. spending your time plowing through these words that you already know. It is targeted, and it's much more manageable and it builds over time as long as you stick with it. Yeah. That's actually, um, part of what achievable does actually with our program <laughs> is we're constantly, um, we're constantly shuffling out the stuff that you already know out of your way so that sure. you're only focusing on what you do know, um, which is very effective. And also for the audience, you can do it on your own just by having your flashcards in stacks, right? Um, sure. we, ours is a little more complicated than this, but the simple version is you have a stack of things you don't know, a stack of things you kind of know, and that stack of things you know really well, and you review them at different times, right? Like you review sure. the ones you don't know maybe every day or every other day. Of course. You review the things you already know really well, like maybe once every week or once every even two weeks once you're kind mm -hmm. of into it. Um, and it's a user lose it. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. It is oh, no, a user no. lose it sort of thing. Think about when you took language in high school. And you came back in the beginning of the school year and your Spanish teacher, your French teacher, whatever language it might have been, is rolling along and you're sitting there, I haven't thought about this language in two months. I don't know what's going on. Well, right. even though it's our native tongue, English still is use it or lose it. And so, yes, it, it definitely you focus on what you know least well, but don't shove aside the things that you've learned and you feel comfortable with because otherwise mm -hmm. it will 
shift back into the I don't know what it is anymore pile. So you still need to occasionally revisit what you already mastered so that it stays that way. Exactly. And then just sort of, to, I feel like this is probably my, my last sort of question prompt that I have for you is mm-hmm. on when you're like, if obviously if you have a choice, you would rather do the prep and know what the word is. But if you sure. don't have that choice and someone has put a word on the, on this jeery problem that you've never seen in your life, mm-hmm. which can happen. Oh, like, sure. And and you're kind of not really super sure about your answer choice. It isn't mm-hmm. like you can ignore it. How is there any strategy for handling that? Sure, fight the instinct to eliminate immediately the word you don't know. So mm-hmm. often that's the reaction students have. They look at it and I don't know what that word means, and they cross it out almost just because they don't want to see it anymore. Mm-hmm. So this is easier said than done. But learning to fight that and to at least initially leave in the word you don't know. Because if we're talking about process of elimination, and we're always mm-hmm. talking about process of elimination, mm-hmm. then you need a reason to eliminate it. If you don't know what the word means, you don't yet have a reason to eliminate, and you might very well be crossing out a correct answer. Work through the rest of the question and continue eliminating and if you have, in the case of sentence equivalence, two really strong answers, then you're done. If you have eliminated, you have one that's really strong and you've eliminated all the others besides the word you don't know, mm-hmm. well, that one has to be the right answer. So that's your way of vetting the word that you don't know and leveraging your vocabulary as best you can. Yeah. Great. And then let's talk about, so any other thoughts on sentence equivalence before we move on to quant comparison? Just the, I can't emphasize enough that before you look at the choices, not only coming up with your own word or phrase, but your own simple word or phrase. If it's good, anytime you spend trying to quote unquote, make it better, you've automatically made it worse. Because as much as I emphasize the idea of not rushing, you don't want to give time away when there's no return on that investment. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that also it just is, I think, a more useful exercise to try and bring the sentence to a simpler place. Absolutely. So that you're really getting to the core meaning than to use vocab words in your pretend sentence that's supposed <laughs> to help you solve the problem anyway. Right. Right. Like, like the simpler you go, oftentimes the more you get to the brass tacks of what's actually going on, which I think is helpful too. Absolutely. And again, this is where you fight that instinct of thinking, well, it's a GRE, so it has to be more complicated. And very often the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about quantitative comparison now. Oh, Sure. Yeah, how do you attack quantitative comparison problems? The trick is, the the most important thing, is to recognize them as multiple choice questions. The layout is different, but it's still A, B, C, D. So again, Mm -hmm. set it up just like you do with the sentence equivalents, except this time it's only four choices. And as you're eliminating make sure that you're attacking it with that in mind. 
that it is just a slightly different layout. Mm -hmm. And now you have this whole, it cannot be determined hanging out there, which complicates things. But at at its heart, it's a multiple choice question. Right. So then the thing that makes it unique, right, is that you're not actually solving for the answer. Correct. You're solving for the relationship. Yes. So, Talk to me a little bit about how that can make the problems a lot easier and how it can shortcut you getting the answer in some instances. Oh, sure. Let's say, for example, you have something, column A is five, and column B is your thing that you need to figure out and compare it to. Just the idea that you don't need a precise value. Once you know that it's, let's assume it's not C, that it's either more or less. You really don't need to know by how much. And Uh this goes against everything you've ever been taught in a real math class, where imagine saying to your math teacher, well, it's more than five. Any math teacher ever would look at you and say, yeah, I know how much more than five, right? It's a ridiculous answer in a real math setting. And here, that's all you need. So just understanding that it's a completely different exercise and that very often precision is not at all required and can help a student attack it with the right mindset. Right. Well, and I think also, particularly in the algebra versions of quant comparison problems, there's a lot of times where you never actually need to solve the answer. You just need to figure out, you know, you need to either simplify fractions or 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 do a quadratic and figure out that one of them is just kind of obviously bigger. Right. 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 Absolutely. And this is yeah. where, again, uh, the on the on-screen calculator uh, comes in mighty handy for some of the ba- basic calculations. And there's no bonus points for doing it in your head. Quite the opposite. You're probably mm-hmm. going to lose out on points if you insist on trying to do things in your head that can be accomplished with the calculator. Now it's limited, It's and that's important for students to know that it's much closer to a four function calculator than it is to, let's say, a TI-84, mm-hmm. but that's all the more reason why practicing ahead of time. There are a couple of apps. I, I'm, I'm on the iPhone side. Um, I know for Android, they have that as well. But practice tests both through, you know, different prep companies or, and most certainly there's no substitute for the actual ETS power prep exams and having practice just taking the test and clicking around on that on-screen calculator. Um, when, when the math is that simple, use it. Right. And I think then... The other thing too, and I, because um, I know this is kind of a separate topic, but just mm-hmm. like as a side tangent, I find that plugging in numbers works really well in oh quantitative yes. comparison. Um, because oftentimes it's like, okay, so like you've got equation number one is like four a four ax squared, and then like equation b is you know x b cubed divided by three or whatever and it's like (laughs) a has to be like 4.5 to 5.5 it's like stuff like that right so at that point you can just start to say okay well what if x is 
is one. What if X is zero? What if right. X is negative one? Just start to mess with it and see if it right. ever breaks. And, and to do it in the most efficient manner possible. So you start with a nice, easy number, depending mm -hmm. on the question, but generically two, three, four are nice numbers to plug in unless it's a percentage question. My goodness, 100 all day and every day. But start yeah, with the nice. Only plug easy in hundred for a percentage to start. Oh my goodness! But start, yeah, start with the easy numbers. But because you have choice D hanging out there, now you have to plug in what I would call the strange numbers, the the ones that mess with the math: zero, one, fractions, negatives. You have to plug in at least twice for most quantum yeah. comp plugging in questions, and sometimes even three times. But do it in a targeted way so you're not plugging in 11 numbers. Uh, and so right. it's that's where the word efficiency comes into play. Work in the most efficient manner possible. Don't rush, but don't throw time away either. Right. And I would also say um, definitely when you're plugging in numbers, plug in numbers with the goal of trying to break one of the relationships, right? Because the Absolutely. relationships you're trying, you're trying to basically break one of or one or all of the three relationships, which is A is greater than B, B is greater than A, or that they're equal. Sure. And that's so the thing. It, Once yeah. you eliminate, and this is where thinking of it in terms of being a multiple choice question is so important. So you try mm -hmm. one number, it breaks B. Great. Cross out B right away. And now you plug in the weird number and let's say now that breaks a and C, or whatever it may be, you're crossing out with each one. It's not just, oh, that didn't work. Well, wait a minute. Let's look at our choices and see which choices we can eliminate with that information. Right. And if it does depend on, and this is, it may be a little cheesy, but it's a mnemonic that I find works. If it depends on which numbers you use, then D is your answer. D stands for depends. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have any other thoughts on how to attack that type of problem, the, the quantitative comparison problem? I don't think I do. I think we covered it. <laughs> Great. All right. Then, yeah, those are two tricky problem types that hopefully this episode helps you solve. This has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Jeff Eisenberg from Long Island Test Prep. Achievable has a great online GRE course that you can try for free by visiting achievable.me. And if you like it, be sure to use the code PODCAST to get 10% off the purchase price.